Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and usually at this point you hear, and I'm Stan Fowler. But many of you know uh, by now that uh, our brother Stan Fowler is in the hospital in Virginia right now, uh, having had a massive stroke. We're all praying for him. As of this uh, recording, he is in stable condition but critical. Uh, So continue to pray for Stan. But opposite me now in our studio is um, a colleague of Stan and former professor of mine, Dr. Dave Barker. Do you want to say hello, Dave? Well, greetings, everyone. It's great to be here, but under the circumstances and who I am sitting in for, I find myself in a very difficult place and a very sad place. Uh, Stan Stan has been a valued and treasured colleague of mine for 30 years or more, and um, I don't know of a more articulate and irenic theologian than Dr. Stanley K. Fowler. And so... um, for me to sit here and and think about Stan for a little bit is a great privilege, but it's also a, a moment of, of sadness and, yeah. uh, and concern. Well, uh, Dave, one of the reasons you're here is because you sent me an email that I thought was providential because you were stepping into the pulpit at the Benton Street yeah. and uh, were just wondering if you should change your sermon. And I thought that was odd because uh, the week before in our podcast, Stan and I talked about that. Um, does that happen? Should that happen? Uh, what do you do when you feel the impulse to totally change your sermon or to significantly revise it? And, and you did that last Sunday, didn't you? Yes, I did. So how did that go? <laughs> well, um, it's interesting because I didn't listen to your podcast or watch your podcast, so I don't know what you guys said about that. Um, but I did. Uh, I was supposed to be working in Hosea 11 in a series that I was doing on what is God like, and I was working in the prophets, Amos, Jeremiah, Hosea. And I just could not get my head and my heart around the text I was working on. I, I just could not get my head and heart around it. It was hollow. It was, it's a great text. There's some wonderful things in there, of course. But it, I was so consumed with, with the, 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 the pain of dealing with my friend and colleague. I, I, so... Um, I changed it, and I went to a lament psalm. I went to Psalm 13. It's another, you know, kind of fit the series, what is God like? He's a God that hears our pain and calls us to lament. But uh, providentially, yeah, that's where it went. Now, how did it go? Um, I didn't get any negative feedback, and I got a lot of positive feedback. So So before we get into how it went, uh, you've been a pastor and a professor in several churches in our fellowship. So you've been in the pulpit uh, have you ever had that experience before or often where you did what you did last Sunday? The answer is no. Um, this is the only second time in my over, well, I've been at the school for over 40 years. I've been pastoring for probably more than 25 years. Probably twice. This is probably the second time it happened. And the first time it happened was a very similar situation in which I lost a very, very dear friend to uh illness and I felt very much broken by that and it was a a premature death that I really didn't think I I really struggled with Mm -hmm. and again it was an issue of I couldn't get my head and heart around the text I was supposed to deal with that Sunday and I trust it was the prompting of the spirit Um, but yeah so no it's it's been rare that I've done this so as I said I think this is only the second time I've done this 
So what did you bring with you into the pulpit? What did that look like at Benton when uh, you're brokenhearted, uh, you haven't yet resolved it in your own heart, but you bring this mess into the pulpit? Like, what did that look like? What did it sound like at Benton? I guess I should maybe just listen to it, but <laughs> tell me tell me what happened. Well, uh, it, it, it wasn't a surprise. Um, it had been mentioned earlier in the service, so folks knew that uh, Stan was uh, really ill and that I was being affected by this. And I think actually somebody at the front end of the service talked about the fact that I was going to change uh, what I was going to speak on. I, I kind of forget that part of it. But um, but when I, I just simply opened with uh, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Stanley K. Fowler, has suffered a massive stroke and, and kind of how you talked about it and talked a bit about him and then just said what I just said. And folks, um, uh, I just can't get my head and heart around what I had planned to do today. Um, and um, I, am, I am shifting to uh, a text that has spoken deeply into my life over the years. And would you turn your Bibles to Psalm 13? And then I took off from that. And just basically did an exposition of the text. I made another reference to Stan, I think, partway through. But I, the, the rest of it really wasn't a lament on Stan per se. It was an exposition of a, of a lament song. Mm-hmm but rooted in the event that had happened. Okay, so how was a lament song appropriate and helpful for the people who heard you, or was it just you getting something off your shoulders? It's probably a little bit of both. Um, It certainly was something getting something off my heart, off my shoulders. Um, But I, I tried to make it generic enough. While I rooted it in the story of Stan, I tried to make it generic enough to say that irrespective of whatever you're working through, and whatever difficulty or pain or uh, whatever you're dealing with, this is a voice that you have. I am presenting to you a voice of worship that the church, that Israel and the church has been using for centuries. And so I, I, I really tried to make it generic so that people who didn't know Stan wouldn't just say, well, that was irrelevant to me. Yeah. Um, this is a voice of worship that the that God has given us in the Book of Psalms. Okay, you, you use the word using the Scripture, right? Why are you speaking of Scripture as something that you use in this context? You're using it. How do we use it? And how did you use it? <laughs> uh, I think the Scriptures have been given to us to use in our. Our, our lives, whether lament, whether joy, whether... So how did it help you? How did it help us lament? How did it, how did it help people think rightly about God? Oh. Because um, maybe you should refer to the passage. Yeah, Psalm 13. I mean, uh, lament psalms are the single largest category of psalms in the book of Psalms. Okay? Somebody, some of you have heard me say that dozens of times. A lot of people who listen to us listen to you. Yeah. So, so yeah, it is the single largest category of, of psalms. Praise is, is not, there are less praise psalms, there are less thanksgiving psalms, there are less trust psalms. And so what this does, it teaches us, I, I guess this is back to your question, how to use it. It teaches us how to worship. And we don't often talk about what it is to worship, if you like, in the minor key. And when we think of worship, number one, we, we think of music, which is right. worship is much bigger than that. 
And secondly, we tend to only think of what you might call praise. Right. Which, again, that is not a biblical model of worship. Worship includes the whole gamut of emotion from despair and even anger all the way to (laughs) unmitigated joy. And God has given us these voices in a book where he said to the church through Paul, we are to sing the Psalms. And so we use them to teach us how to worship. So when you when you read this psalm, was there a sense in which this became your um, psalm to God? You used the language uh, of the psalms to express uh, what's going on in your life. It was it was certainly being used in my life to express my sense of worship uh, in this very difficult situation. But what I was trying to help the folks understand as I preached to them that this could become their voice. So when you read Psalm 13, for example, okay, it starts off by saying, How long, O Lord, will you you forget me? Forever? (laughs) What a line. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And, And just that blistering opening of how long, how long, how long, right? And then he doesn't even let up in verse 3. Look on me, answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my, my foes will rejoice when I fall. And it's interesting because the psalm is only six verses long, and those are four. Two-thirds of the psalm is, are, is in what you might call the minor key, the, pain, the, the mm-hmm. painful key, right? Then finally at verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. The Hebrew word has said there. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I think that's ultimately referring to a new heavens and new earth. I will sing uh, the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And yeah, we end with that kind of thing. But this teaches us that lament and struggle and dealing honestly with God and bearing our hearts is something that we are taught to do and we need to use this material to worship properly so how does it feel when when you're preaching that and then you follow the psalm and it ends with a praise yeah uh, is is the praise a lament praise or is it a praise are you happy in in the praise or that's a, that's a really good question and no i have to confess i'm not i'm still lamenting but it's a, it's a statement of confidence that somehow, in some way, as God is working out his redemptive plan in the world, somehow, in some way, there is going to be an ultimate realization of good and no more weeping, no more crying, no more death, as we re- read in Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21. And so it's a, it's a voice of hope. But I, I want to be really careful here. Mm-hmm. This is not running Romans eight twenty eight out, mm-hmm. like off the bat. Mm-hmm. This is giving us time. And, and my point that I'm trying to make here is four out of the six verses are in lament. And it, we walk slowly. Yes, we have hope. Yes, we have confidence. But we walk slowly. And we give lament time. And it's interesting. There's one Psalm, Psalm 88, that does not end with praise. Mm-hmm. Darkness is my closest friend is its last word. Now, you go to Psalm 89, and you pick up uh, the more positive mm-hmm. side. So we, we, I, I, this psalm is not teaching us to praise out of artificiality. Mm-hmm. But in the darkness, somehow we see a glimmer of hope that God is still God and God is still good. So can, can the Christian be in a position where in their mind they think rightly? They, 
they believe what you just said, that, mm-hmm. that God is sovereign, he's good, mm-hmm. he's working things out for good. I know that in my mind, but my heart is still aching. I'm still weeping, even though I say that and I believe that, but my emotions haven't caught up yet to my theology. Is that, is that the Christian's experience? That could be a way of, of saying it, I guess, yeah. Um, my theology does say there is a new heavens and new earth. There is alt- God is good, a stronghold in the day of troubles. He knows those that trust in him, Nahum 1-7. Um, somebody said God is good and what he does is goodness. We understand that. But my theology also says I've got to be really careful of saying what happened to Stan Fowler was good. It was not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wrong. It's bad. It's, it's, it's an evidence of the fact that we live in a broken and cursed world and that the forces of evil are rejoicing over this kind of thing because a voice that has been such a voice for good and God and the gospel has been silenced. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it catches up to my theology, but I think we need to be really careful. It, 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 it's legitimate, it's authentic, and it's what God wants. He says, crash my gates. You know, it's interesting. The book of Psalms starts with two Psalms, Psalms 1 and Psalm 2, and they're the kind of the gateposts. Mm-hmm. The next five Psalms are all lament Psalms. It isn't until we hit Psalm 8, O oh Lord my God, you know, O oh Lord my Lord, how, how, how majestic is your name on all the earth. It isn't until Psalm 8 that we hit a praise song. And so the book starts off with five lament Psalms after you get through the gate. Now it ends with five doxological Psalms at the end, hallelujah, mm-hmm. But I think we need to understand that God expects us to crash the gates, and that's to be part of our theology. Mm-hmm. This is not outside our theology, is integrated into our theology. So would you say that our praise of God is richer when we fully appreciate the misery and the predicament Absolutely. of our sin? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we get rid of the trivialities. We get rid of the easy sayings and the quick endings. Uh, we, we journey with people through their pain, walk with them, walk slowly. Sometimes it's a lifetime. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm walking with a, a fellow right now, a dear friend of mine. He lost his wife over 10 years ago. I've been walking with him now for ten, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you know... Are we to the doxological end of the Psalms yet? No. Mm-hmm. Will we ever? New heavens and new earth, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, Dr. Dave, um, again, appreciate all the years that you spent in ministry in my life and so many others. Uh, you're filling in for our friend Stan. Mm-hmm. Uh, God willing, you'll be back again sometime. We're all praying for Stan. But uh, we're at the end of our podcast. It's a 15-minute podcast, and sometimes we leave people hanging, and maybe we've done that a little bit today. But until then, I want to thank you for listening to us. I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Dave Barker. And we'll see you again soon. And hopefully, God willing, you'll hear Stan's voice again. But keep praying for our dear brother. Thanks for listening.